Hello. Welcome to the Reinforced Running Podcast. Today, we got Mick Jarello, and it was a goodie. Mikhail Jarello. That's how you say it. But we're going to go with Mick. Uh, Mick is a trainer and an educator and also a top-level athlete in the obstacle course racing world. Um, But Mick is not your typical OCR athlete. He has a unique approach to training, and he shares in detail of uh, the ways that he's created this really cool structure and philosophy of training that has allowed him to become one of the best OCR racers in the entire country of Canada and across the entire globe. And he also has taken this approach and created a fitness class called the Weapon Factory, and he gets a great atmosphere of people really working hard and working outside of their comfort zone as he facilitates some unique movements and he explains that whole philosophy to us as well and some really good take-homes that you can kind of do in your own training. So we also talk about things like reactive training and how it can improve your OCR results, how to structure some of your quality workouts, some of the best practices to simulate things like running mountains when you don't have mountains or how to flip a tire if you don't have the tire. And Definitely some other practical ways that can help improve your overall athleticism. I love this conversation. There is a ton of great takeaways. This guy is my guy. But first, as always, would love if you rate and review. Definitely helps us out. Please subscribe so you can get all the freshest episodes directly to your feed. Uh, Check out the link in the show notes to learn more about one-on-one coaching here at Reinforced Running. If you are a runner or an obstacle course racer, who does want to get faster for the 2020 season? And now I'm going to take that same intro music that you heard in the beginning and I'm going to segue that into our actual conversation because my mom made this suggestion when I just saw her and she's super smart. It was a great idea. Uh, thanks, mom. And we're back. Reinforced Running Podcast. My name is Rich Ryan. I am your host. Today, our guest is Mick Girello. Mick, what's up, dude? Rich. You nailed that name. I think you're the first person that I meet that uh, knows it, asks my name, but actually uh, says it properly. I'm doing great. How are you doing? Yeah, I appreciate you giving me like the props that like I didn't ask you two seconds ago. But... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's Mikhail Jarello. That's it. For everybody out there listening, write it down phonetically. Um, well, cool, dude. Yeah, I appreciate you popping on today. Um, and so when we were trying to figure out the if we were had a, a shared time zone, like you thought I was more in the Midwest, I was, right. I was looking at, at you and, and you're out in Manitoba and I, I was looking on the map and like Googling things to make sure I knew what time zone you were in. And then I started pull up like Google Maps and Manitoba is massive. And then I went into like this Google Maps hole and started looking at these other places like the Northwest Territories, and there's a town called Yellowknife in the Northwest Territories. Yes, sir. Yellowknife, that's ridiculous. So my first question is, do you do you ever go up to that area? Like what goes on in like the Northwest Territories or like Yukon or even like North Northern like Manitoba? Like yeah, what's so, going on there? So a little geography lesson for everyone, I guess, from the U.S. or, or up in Canada. But uh, so Manitoba is like, smack dab in the middle of Canada. So people can think of Canada as in like a half pipe, let's say. So the half pipe, everything's raising up. You got mountains on either side Hmm. and I'm right in the middle. So Winnipeg is the capital city, Manitoba. We're like flat, flat, flat prairies. Like you can, we've been colder than Mars most days in the winter. 
like so, legit like, like you, legit. Said, you said mars like yes the correct yeah <laughs> so obviously it's like it is just an icicle it's probably the hardest conditions weather wise you can get um in terms of like a main city but you're asking about Yellowknife, those kind of places those are our territories so you've got this like borderline and then all of a sudden the really northern territories it's just like so much land spread out and not very many except for a few little pockets like Yellowknife and those kind of things which are larger towns but uh Mm -hmm. it's definitely way more wilderness and uh definitely not like a big city or anything um yeah and it's pretty secluded like if i were to if i were to drive you know even over to let's say to get to the closest mountain to the left of me i'd have to drive 14 hours oh yeah so so i'm pretty much in the middle and uh people can think of like minneapolis or like grand forks just driving straight up through the border and that's about four hours up straight from there so just so people have an idea and yeah and like you're like obviously in the states we know that minneapolis is cold minnesota is cold so you're you're colder than mars but and you're like relatively south in right yeah so uh, manitoba you've got places when you go north manitoba it's again beautiful up there and it's very like pocketed with you know there's a certain point where the road ends and basically the only way you can get up there is through train but I don't know. You've, you've obviously heard of polar bears and everything like Manitoba has kind of this Northern town where we've gone kayaking with like beluga whales there. And like, you can go see, I mean, people don't even lock their vehicles there because if a polar bear walks through the town, people need to be able to jump into anything. So (laughs) it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's totally a tourist attraction kind of town, but, uh, yeah, like things are, things are very wild out there and, pretty interesting you know trees don't grow above your knees like it's frozen tundra that's tundra like legit tundra yeah yeah and do you so you you have gone up there like yeah i wanna so i pushed a canoe down an ice river and won a trip to churchill a few years ago so wait um, wait wait wait. yeah what was a race a competition yes yeah yeah and the prize was train tickets up to churchill so Super cool. That's I did it with my buddies and we slowly realized that because we had four guys that were about 150 pounds or less, that made us much quicker on ice. Like a bobsled though, team. Yeah. Even though we weren't so powerful, we were like light and agile and one foot in, one foot out and just push a canoe down the ice and we won the rounds and it was about a 200 meter track. So Anyways, oh, yeah. So did you yeah. jump? You don't jump in it, like like yeah, you're uh, half in, half out. You got one foot in the boat, one foot out, and you're kind of like pedaling. Yeah, you want to talk about a hard race? Like that is like <laughs> you want the hardest 200 meters I've ever worked. You're just <laughs> you're just blind, and you're just battling it out. And the one guy's at the back trying to steer the thing, and you're spinning out. And yeah, that was an interesting yeah, race, that- but we won it, and then every. It's a crazy reward to go up there. Like people come from all over the world to go up there, but uh, it's a nice thing to be kind of in our backyard, but still um, expensive to get up there and everything. So took a 16 hour train ride overnight, got there and uh, yeah, you can't even walk around without someone with a rifle with you there. Like it's because uh, of the, because of the bears. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) it's a, it's pretty intense. Like you can't go, uh, you can't go for a nice, easy, long run. 
like to no. go explore. Yeah. That's, that's treadmill territory. Yeah. And, and uh, cause that's, I, I don't know if this is myth. This is just me spitting off some random fact, but like that uh, polar bears, they're the only bear that will hunt human for food because it's just sparse up there. Is that yeah. right? Well, I mean, I mean, they're, they're, pre- they're the biggest land predator in the North. Right. So um Definitely. And now I'm totally like bringing up all those stigmas about Canada where I'm like, yeah, polar bears, whatever else. Like <laughs> there's no polar bears in Winnipeg where I am and everything right. this is really far. <laughs> I, I'm realizing that everyone in the U S is like, see, I told you they ride on polar bears and like do all that kind of stuff. But yeah, they're super cool. And like, obviously because of all the ice melt up there and everything, they get trapped on land and they can't migrate, uh, so once once that happens, then they're hungry. Like they're gonna find something. So gonna find uh, something warm to eat. Exactly. Yeah. And and so yeah. And you know, you did open like you did let us know that the stereotype of Canadians and polar bears is true. Thank you. And, <laughs> but from, from what are some other things from someone in the states? We definitely have like preconceived notions about Canadians. I would say they're mostly positive. I love Canada. Whenever I visit, it's the best. But what's like the one annoying thing that like you oh man stand when people from the states do like most people most people when you're traveling around they're like oh yeah you from toronto like everyone thinks you're from toronto and (laughs) and people think things are way closer than they are like uh let's say there's a a canadian race out in out in the mountains like around calgary area and uh some of the u.s guys are like yeah like are you coming to the race like just drive down or whatever else and you know you're like okay well that's either you know, four hour flight, three hour flight, or like 16 hour drive. It's not really like I could <laughs> yeah. just like get over there and drive from my place to go race in the morning. But, uh, so I think people maybe don't realize how spread out things can be or, or the fact that not everyone's from Toronto. And if you meet only meet people from Toronto, you might want to meet people from uh, other places in Canada too. You might have a different opinion. Yeah. And that might just be some like East coast bias, right? Cause it's just like a big mega city. It's like for Essentially sure. like New York and Toronto For is sure. awesome. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah that, that, go ahead. It's good. They got, they got some great, uh, great racing out there. Great athletes. And I think, uh, I'll be heading out to Toronto later this season just to do a race. So it's always, I'll, I'll get out there once a year for something. So, yeah, I know exactly. But like that same thing, it's like, there was a race in, Dallas for me it's like yeah. are you gonna come down to the races right it's like in your country it's like yeah well it's right. like super far I, I, I'm <laughs> yeah. not going to that race no yeah the lucky lucky thing is you guys have so many races you have I know so many things it's almost like I get it how people like get caught up in planning their race schedule and get excited and marking everything down and there's so much available so yeah we're, we're definitely fortunate on that that it was like spawn here but um but the the Canadian series is actually creating some buzz recently that uh, especially down here in the States and that there's some money that's getting thrown behind it. Like earlier in the season, like I'm sort of dialed in with this stuff. Like it, when it, when I see yeah. it, I'll like, not like it, the, it was in jeopardy of going away. Is right. that right? Well, it was under it, like, you know, short story. It was under management and uh, they were on a contract, right? So they're on their final year. So, when you're on your final year of anything, you're you're not kind of making moves based on the future. And uh, so I think management-wise, whoever was in charge in Canada just kind of, you know, almost just did the bare minimum just to kind of 
run the last season and then uh, they were done with it. So it was good, but I was really excited that the U.S. took over ownership and are kind of, you know, just helping kind of start things as long as they get the right people in the right positions here. And I think it's going to be really exciting. Plus then, like you said, the Canadian series, now all of a sudden we have a three race series, which is like same kind of prize money as the U S series, but it's less races, right? So for any racer, that's, that's appealing and they're more spread out. So, um, you can kind of dial in your training in between and different, different venues and everything. Plus anyone coming from the States, all of a sudden you're like looking at the U S dollar compared to the Canadian and it costs a lot less to hang out here once you get up here. Yeah. So, uh, for you guys anyway, for sure. Um, and so like the, so I guess they hired like a management team, like they outsourced it essentially. And then, so now the U S is taking it over. And, and so right. there is the, the, so what is it going to be like 3000 for a win? Is that what it is? Uh, whatever. I, you know what? I haven't seen the actual like statistics of it. Like, you know, they'll like list the everything, breakdown. but, yeah. but even the fact that, uh, previously before this year, like the, the winnings were based on the heat size. So if you had, and because of age group, everyone kind of moved into age group if they didn't think they were going to like podium, let's say. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden you're elite wave. And in Canada, we have like a smaller, like elite, like size wave. So maybe you have 30, 40 guys going out for that top podium spot. And uh, if you had less than like a hundred people in the wave, then it was the winnings were based on the numbers. So you could come away with first place and uh, you know, based on their numbers, you could win a hundred bucks. Like it was, um, yeah. So that was a little frustrating, obviously when you're still like the top three guys are all battling it out and you're working, working for it. And, um, and you, you know, it costs a lot to move around the country, especially being, being in the center of Canada. Like I have to fly everywhere. So, um, yeah, it's, it it was, it's going to be nice at least to have kind of, well, and I think it's going to attract a lot of guys from the States, it sounds. So uh, all of a sudden, the Canadian series turns into like a really, really fun race and uh, and, and a deep field. So um, I'm excited about it because I really don't, although we have some really good athletes here in Canada, it's it's always been nice to like, let's say, go to North American championships or something and like be around everyone. Yeah, and mix it up because I mean you can't help but to compare. And like when you see races like the U.S. National Series, that you, like there's not a ton of reason for you to come to any specific event. But then you see them, you have to like think about what how you would like play in the mix in those races. So yeah. are you excited that the, the the field could potentially deepen? I mean, I can yeah, imagine like, like four or five of the of pro team guys coming up and just mixing it up, or anybody who's like up north or. And for sure. I mean, how do you, how do you really get better? Like I'm not doing this sport. It's not my, it's not my career. So I'm just trying to do this to get better and, and like be challenged. So, um, it's going to be great. It'll be hard explaining to my mom that I don't win every race and <laughs> better athletes than me. And, uh, it, it's not just a given, right? Like yeah. <laughs> so every once in a while, like someone will just see you win a, win a race up in Canada and, and there's great people. Like I have to, I have to be in really good shape. And, uh, but I have, I have done pretty well in Canada in the past seasons and it'll be nice to race. Cause 
you learn a lot by racing against people who are better than you, right? Mm. Just like just like anything. And um, I just think like that's another thing where guys are battling in the U.S. the whole time and they're constantly around that. And that's that's one of those like added values, just being around other people or being close enough that you learn from your mistakes through close close races and whatever else. So even if you lose, like let's say I went to Mon- I went to Montana to do one of the mountain series races last right. year and you know, I lost by 12 seconds for first place. And it was, you know, I, I was not disappointed in that at all. Right. The people I, I had to beat were, it was, it was a good win for me. And, and those 12 seconds, I know exactly what happened. So, um, yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be a, a great year and it'll be a lot of fun. Like I, I enjoy a lot of those guys' personalities. I wish like I had a chance to like race and be around that community more often. So it'll be good to have everyone up if they make it up. Like hopefully none of them uh, just kind of burn themselves out or, or overplay it and race too often. Like they're hard courses here and uh, you know, you just add travel time to your race schedule and everything. And you saw it last year, like people started pretty early and as much as people talked about, if you really sat back and talked to a lot of people throughout the season, you realize how many of the top athletes really were dealing with a little nagging injury they never could shake or got Mm -hmm. a little burnt out from travel or, you know, had to call off the full series because they had to skip a race or something because of different things. So, um, but everyone learns from that too. And uh, so hopefully they can, they can make it. I know some people, like people are thinking about it, you hear about it. So, um, and then it's also getting the Canadian guys excited to like, go to those races. Like I wasn't planning on going to Montreal this year, but since it's the Canadian series, like I'll probably, probably make it there. And that's supposed to be a badass course. And um, so basically what I'm, what I'm hearing you say to all the U S athletes is fucking bring it. <laughs> well, Let's do I it. don't know. <laughs> yeah. Make if I said that, it would be, everybody out. Probably laugh at me, but <laughs> uh, hey, I'll, I'll be there. And, and like I said, like it's, uh, it's good. And, and I'll try and be as fit as I can. Like, as always, like I always like to be in the mix. That's kind of my philosophy with training is like be in the mix and style your training to be ready for any course, but then specifically like look at your targets as you get closer to the race. But I don't, I don't really, uh, I don't, I don't really like pigeonhole myself as like a sprint distance guy or a beast. I know what I like and, and really like I'll, I'll, I'll try and get ready for any, any course. Nice man. Yeah. And, yeah. and so just on, I mean, really about 15 minutes in, but yeah. like, I know you well, I've been following your progress for a while. And I think anybody who's really dialed in with like the OCR pro scene, pro scene would probably know who you are as well. Um, just based on your finishes at like North American championships, you did really well at OCR world championships, uh, two consecutive years. But, um, and we've alluded to that. You are one of the top Canadian athletes, like hand, like period. Um, but just like expand on that a little bit. Tell us a little bit more about who you are as, you know, as an athlete and also as like a, a trainer and like in your profession. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Skip, skip all the boring stuff right at the start. And then, and we're going to sneak it in now. That's all we talked about polar bears. I know everyone's like, what kind of podcast is this? (laughs) Does he run from polar bears? Is that why he's back? Yeah. I guess like, uh, background wise, like obviously I played 
a couple years like university soccer and everything that kind of took over as like a competitive sport i was never a runner let's say like a track athlete or anything like that um i always like i played water polo growing up i was a team handball player uh i played a lot of like pretty intense sports that if you play them you understand it but if you never played it you don't understand maybe how difficult or like the conditioning of it so i think grassroots i was just building like an athleticism and just kind of like a skill set that was very broad um i was never like let's say the star athlete on the volleyball team or anything like that but i was always just kind of like someone that could play at a high level and and kind of pick up anything so i think that translated pretty well uh, I still play a little bit of hockey once a week, just a little beer league. And uh, so that's always fun. And then I guess just as an athlete, like obviously I've been doing OCR for, I guess, like five years now. So I showed up, ran a half marathon, first half marathon, liked it. Didn't really like the fact that I was just going to be a road runner. So started like looking at other options. I still love to like train like an athlete all the time and, uh, so then I discovered obstacle racing, went out and did a beast for my first race, hmm. showed up in some Nikes, didn't have any kind of fuel, so wound wow. up in like 300th right at the start, you know, behind the whole pack. Yeah. And in line met, met a guy and I was like, Hey, like, how's it going? You ever done this? And the guy was super prepared and he's like, yeah, is this your first race? And he kind of looked at me like I went in elite just because I didn't want to like wait at obstacles. I thought yeah. that would be an issue. Like, so I wasn't trying to do well and, but obviously I was going to work hard. The guy was like, here, like have a gel. You might need this eventually on the course. Like I was doing a beast for the first one and still one of my favorite races. I ended up getting third in that race and beating a guy in fourth by like three seconds. Like it was, I was running with him and I was like, Hey, this is cool race. Like, what's your name talking to him. And then I just asked him, I was like, you know, we have about had about a third of the race left and said like, Hey, do you mind if I set the pace for a bit? And he's like, dude, like you're in a podium spot. Like if you want to, if you can (laughs) pass me, you, you go. And then we ended up like going back and forth because obviously with obstacles and everything, he was more efficient and, uh yeah just ended up doing that and then a couple of the canadian guys who are still on the scene now kind of i finished and they were like you know all the top guys at that point and now i guess kind of know each other so when someone new shows up like they were excited they just said hey you should start taking this seriously like actually training for it or something if you did did this well in your first race so after that did a couple kind of did an ultra beast did a sprint did a super just tried every distance and then uh then started running for the Canadian team. So uh, I still run locally, like in like local trail races and everything like that, but there's not much of an obstacle race scene here. We don't really have a race here and so it's kind of train for it, travel, train for it, travel, mm. which is nice and and try to try to adventure away from it. So Yeah, I mean, so it does sound like you had kind of you kind of came to a pretty quick and and like the the thing that you did bring up because there is not much of a scene in that area that you're kind of traveling around and you kind of have to be a lone wolf a little bit on it but i i know that you're very active as far as the community in the area and one of the reasons i did want to have you on is because you're like a founder and head coach of this 
fitness concept, fitness class that you've coined the weapon factory, which is like legit the coolest name for a fitness class I think I've ever heard. Yeah. Um, yeah. So tell, tell us a little bit about that. Like what is the concept of the class and like where did it come from? And like, you know, what's like the general goal? For sure. So like weapon factory was the idea of it was kind of came into my mind. I had ran fitness classes before and uh, I was traveling in, I went over to New Zealand and Australia for half a year, just went and lived, lived in a small mountain town and kind of took a year off teaching. So as I was doing that, like that's a term you hear all over the world. Uh, people will say like that guy's a weapon or that team has a few weapons on it. So mm-hmm. you're looking at, you know, you hear it a lot in like even on the panel for NFL and everything, for they'll, sure. they'll talk about it. And I love the term. I think like the term weapon comes from, someone that's like the most versatile athlete or someone that stands out with like an elite level of not just like skill, but also like trains, trains hard to like highlight it. Um, And then, and then I also just think those people are also leaders. Like people, people speak about people that are like that person's a weapon or whatever else. And they're very respected. So uh, that's where it came from. And obviously the, the term factory is like, you're building it. So, um, I always tell people like they are, they have to start believing they're an athlete and they start, they have to, uh, believe in the concept that they can become mm. an athlete and a weapon. And it's not just like a given thing. So, uh, there's classes for like, let's say female fitness. And then there's boot camps where they just make you do a bunch of running and burpees and you get really fit or, there's, there's so many concepts of like boot camps, right? So when I came back, I was like, okay, I'm going to just rent a space, invite a bunch of my buddies who already know what they're doing lifting wise. Like if I say we're going to do this type of shoulder press, um, I don't necessarily have to like be so careful on their form or recommend weight. They know about where they should be. Um, and I just put on really hard rap music and we just like, I would make the workout and I would do it with them. And it originally was supposed to be an all guys, uh, fitness class. It was supposed to be like very raw, like, okay, weapon factory. Like, let's just, let's like just old throw school, down cool CrossFit type. I'll make the work gym. Yeah. Like go hard. Yeah. And then one, one, one of the guys just randomly brought his friend who was a female and she crushed it. And then people started asking and then it just, that was the original birth. And then I actually sat down and I was like, okay, what do I want this to be? So found an ideal space that had everything, which wasn't just like, let's say, um, it is like, let's say it would be more like a CrossFit style workout, Mm -hmm. uh, gym where you've got barbell, like many barbells, you've got medicine balls, but you've also got weights of dumbbells that go up to very high and, but then it's, it's like a powerlifting gym. So they've got good platforms and they've got a turf and it's, it's an open concept and it's a great space. So, um, the idea of weapon factory is kind of that, uh, with, without challenge and without exposure to your weaknesses, you'll never want to really work on them. And mm. people that already lift on their own and let's say, are comfortable know they they do what they do and they're going to keep their strength they're going to keep their conditioning where it is um and they kind of get content with it uh and they're just not they're not challenged no one's saying to do anything but they have experience they don't need to go to a class that's gonna 
kind of baby them into doing something or whatever else. And although I, I motivate people, I really want to expose people in a good way to be like, okay, like if you failed the reps before the time or something, that's a good thing. That means you chose a good weight or whatever, but then hopefully they'll start incorporating that into their routines away from weapon factory. So, uh, I would say Weapon Factory is a like perfect blend between strength and conditioning with kind of an atmosphere of people that like a non-fake atmosphere of people that want to like work their ass off and uh, learn new kind of variations to every kind of lift so that you have like a plateauless fitness or like a bulletproof fitness to kind of jump into anything. Mm. Um, so that's the original idea. And uh obviously like started small and you know, I, I have a full-time job and I try to train on my own and everything. So it had to just kind of grow um, just through word of mouth and everything. But you know, we've got such a, like I've got tons of actual personal trainers that come to my class. I've got people that are physiotherapists and we have such a broad spectrum of knowledge, but or high level athletes. And it's kind of like everyone's comes together and, they just appreciate the, you know, the atmosphere of it and probably a lot of the exercises that they probably would never even think of just as variations to challenge, like, let's say an added challenge to your core with like a, a very simple lift they already do. Um, so it's always different. It will, will rotate between like full upper body, full lower body, and then any kind of fitness test day, or sometimes we'll just do full body conditioning cycle through and yeah some of the things you mentioned and it's funny i was just talking to somebody about this is like the the trust in like yourself and, and you kind of had mentioned that that people might not know or like and, and like wanting to like push them toward failure and i feel like a lot of the, these movements that you're doing is is really exposing to people and like for people who haven't seen like just follow mick on on ig and he has like the, the workouts are wild they they literally are like these variations that are so creative um that it's just a really interesting concept. So like the, the inspiration is, is right. Is, is awesome. I love that you're trying to expose people to new things and have you found it to be more in line with, is it like obstacle course racing inspired or do you feel like it's just something that the general population for fitness needs to be exposed to that they need this. So yeah. I like, wanted to give it to them. Yeah. I mean, I obviously, believe in like I'll never stop training like this like I'll always try and feel like I have a really good base functional fitness um you know I want to I don't want to be nervous to walk into let's say any kind of any kind of workout and not feel decent at it or strong or different things like that and I don't I don't I don't want to be exposed to like let's say not being good at lateral movements or reaction time or anything like that and I think sometimes we look at progress as like a linear pattern up in, in terms of like weight and numbers and not based on like, wow, like I can do this amount of weight while still being in a conditioning circuit and, you know, challenging I, a lot of what it is just makes you be honest, whether it's keeping like a very neutral spine in like a high plank or let's say keeping you know, tracking well or decelerating well or changing directions well. Mm. And, uh, it's, I think, I think as soon as people get exposed to it, they realize 
how much they've been taking the easy wear, easier way out because any workout, you know, a lot of the big brands or whatever else are designed to, let's say, make you sweat, make you feel good. It's great. Like people are getting fitter. And if you're consistent, I think like whatever works for you, that's great. But then all of a sudden your body starts to start to adapt to that stimulus and you're still getting a sweat in, you're still showing up, but all of a sudden you're not, you know, burning as much calories or your body's adapted to like running at that speed or lifting that amount of weight or being in that same position. So uh, when I say like there's a lot of high level athletes and really fit people that come to my class that wouldn't go to other classes, there's also kind of the people have taken a chance and been like, you know what? I was scared to come to this class. Like it took me two months to convince myself to show up. And then sure enough after it, they're like, wow, I surprised myself. I was able to do a bit and we adapted to the things that maybe I couldn't quite do. And I got my ass kicked and like, I'm ready to come back, you know? So, um, it, it just changes the mentality. It, uh, I think as soon as you, as soon as you realize like you can, get better at certain things and then it once you once you're building like that bulletproof fitness through everything then then i give you new moves and all of a sudden you have this like base level strength and coordination and core strength and power that you're already progressing through that next thing so Hmm. i mean let's say like you you see a leg workout i do all right obviously there's going to be a couple of those like classic things you need but then you put spins on it. So let's say you get like, okay, if I'm doing front squat, some kind of lunge, some kind of lateral movement, some kind of power, like some kind of directional changed move with, with uh, a vision transfer. So let's say a vision transfer would be something where you're looking down, but you got to look up or, or you're changing direction by 45 degrees to look at another box that you're going to jump on or something like that. Mm. Um, Hmm. some, something where it's like agility based or, uh, like reactive time off the ground. So even when you're doing speed training with running, like if you can transfer your weight quicker on that quick step, you're going to get faster times. Um, so just training that kind of stuff and then blending it all together, either based on, here's a strength move, here's a power move, here's a conditioning move, and let's do a circuit of all those three together and then move on to the next. Uh, so, and it's, and then it's, uh, yeah, just showing different variations, whether it's, you know, if you're, if you're thinking you love front squats or whatever else, like let's challenge you to, you know, s- step off into a low squat, into it, into a jump or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, while you're reacting or different things, but, um, you know, obviously everything's different, but the main blueprints of it are, are make sure you're getting your classic lifts with variations. And then you've got a couple strength moves. You've got a couple different moves that will like challenge a little bit of like lateral movement or coordination, power movements, and then, uh, just some high intensity kind of challenges on top of it. Tell me a little bit more about the reacting. Um, yeah. Like everything else seems like it's, it's yeah. like different variations, compound movements, lateral transverse. Sure. All, all yeah. Different things. I mean, like I can reacting. use all the lingo too. It's, it's, yeah. it's nice to say like unilateral and all that kind of mumbo sure, jumbo, sure. which is fine. But you know, when it comes down to it, you look at the like 
basic things. So when I'm talking about reactive, I'm talking about like, let's say shadow drills against you where there's two cones in between us. And for 30 seconds, I have to try to look past you. We're facing each other. All right. Like shoulder, like chest facing each other. And there's two cones that I have to stay in between and I'm doing lateral moves to directionally change within there. And you have to stay in front of me while I'm doing drills. Almost like a defensive drill. Almost like uh... totally. And then 30 seconds goes by and you're like, wow, I am dead. But I had to react to that person. Then all of a sudden your turn and I have to react to you. Um, Or it's, or it's, let's say a reactive drill where um, you're on kind of a clock where you're, you're tossing a ball over your, over your shoulders, like doing almost like a kettlebell swing to like a reverse toss with a medicine ball. Then you're spinning around wherever the ball is. You're dropping down onto it and doing like a close grip push up on top of it or burpee kind of spinning around. Um, We use, we use like, we'll use tennis balls, stuff like that, where you're doing kind of moves to catch to different things like that. So um, yeah, I, I think like if you don't expose yourself to that kind of stuff, you're not obviously it's you're not going to get better at it and it's so important like i think one of the best warm-ups you could do is just like play badminton against someone for like 10 minutes and Mm. like move around take some swings like react react side to side and just kind of get get into that some people like gets if they're not playing any kind of sport um you lose that like tracking aspect you lose that like directional change or reactive um, quickness. So it helps with obstacle racing. You see it, you see kind of people that train very, very linear and then they get to an obstacle or you get to a downhill or something. And uh, they're just, they're just a little more awkward, right? Mm-hmm. Or a little less like They make, they don't make that quick decision. So quick, like it's, it's different. Like you look at a race, let's say like Whistler. Okay. Pretty good downhills pouring rain, whatever else. I don't have any mountains to train on for downhill. And if you look at the Strava segments and, you know, you say downhill running is a skill, which it is, but I can't really practice it. You know, the highest elevation I can get is maybe 25 feet. So my downhill running is non-existent unless I, you know, go to the mountains every once in a while. But, um, if you look at the Strava segments and everything, I'm not far behind a lot of those guys that train downhill running all the time. And, and like the, that's what I was thinking, like that there is not really a great opportunity for people to put this into their lives unless they're playing intramural, intramural sports. And there's a lot of people who aren't athletes who have, don't want to do that. (laughs) Who just like, would rather be caught dead than play, um, basketball or anything with hand-eye coordination so like outside of doing things like like that you had mentioned like what are some of the ways that you found like people can do this on like their own maybe that, that yeah. if they're not being directed or like told what to do like like or play badminton like you said is a great example but because sure. even if you do things like shuttle drills right you're still directing For in sure. your mind where to go so even if you're moving laterally going quick and and kind of like changing direction yeah. you're still directing it you're not reacting off of somebody else so like what are some ways that you think that people could do that on, on their own, on their own. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you know, getting into, getting into running, if you're running on like more like trails, you're not used to, or let's say like trying to do like 30 seconds fast, like 
quick intervals on like a trail you're not so used to Mm. um stuff like that where you're where you're going also the idea of like uh let's say reacting like when i'm running if i see a stump or i see i see like a half fallen down tree and everything and this might this might be like a way to get injured but uh (laughs) disclaimer you know i'll just i'll just like go and run and try and balance on it a bit and jump off and just kind of like flow through that, right? Like have the confidence to make that initial move without second guessing it and then kind of come off to it, right? Also, like when you go hang out and you're outdoors and stuff, bring bring a Frisbee with you, bring bring a football and, mm-hmm. and whatever else. And just kind of getting that kind of stuff. Any kind of wall drill too, where you're, if you're doing, if you're doing an exercise and you'll, like let's say double bounce a ball, hit off the wall, you know, bounce up, and you've got to do like let's say a push up in between the catch, or you throw it over, spin around, catch it. Just do a bunch of those kind of drills, and you'll get better for sure. Um, and you'll also get better at like your body's going to change directions quicker and set yourself up for like being in like a more mobile position. Um, so I, you just see it like especially like you know, you're, you're a trainer too. And you look at older populations and everything. And sometimes you ask the last, the person, when was the last time you actually jumped or when was the last time you, uh, had to like decelerate or, uh, kind of move back into some kind of balanced form while you were unbalanced. So, um, if you had any kind of projectile in like, if hopefully that makes sense, some kind of, some, some kind of flying thing or something, where you have to react to another person that works even doing a, like, let's say a plank mirror where you we're both in a plank and all of a sudden I go down to a low plank. You got to follow me. I kick mm-hmm. my right foot out. I kick my left foot out, whatever else and you got to follow suit, like different things like that, where you're, uh, you're not anticipating you're, you're moving naturally. Once you see it, it's all good to expose. I love this. I love this concept because it is something that you just wouldn't do. And like you mentioned, like, okay, you might get hurt. And I think that's what people are afraid of. Like when going at challenges where you see a tree that's falling down, it's like, okay, I'm going to flow through this and whatever, and make the decision when it comes, not be like, okay, I'm going to get there, take two steps, hurdle over it, you know? And you watch people be able to fall too. Like, uh, Mm. obviously, obviously if I see like a fully dead tree, that's like, looks really sketchy. I'm not like, doing a double jump yeah, on top. Don't of be it. an idiot. But, <laughs> yeah. um, I'm talking about literally just like understanding the fact that if I jump up and if I'm going fast enough, if that foot moves, I'm already on to my next step. And you might have a little bit of like a slip, but it's not going to be like a detrimental like fall or slip. You see people when they stand on ice and like I teach phys ed and in high school and everything. And we talk about physical literacy and that's like such a main concept. So you talk about someone who's literate at reading, whatever else. So the concept of physical literacy is like you move well, no matter what. And like they do a lot of tests where like they'll put people on ice and they, they will see how they react to like slipping and how literate they are. If they like balanced while catching something, or you just see people who move well, who always like naturally make the correct body movement without thinking about it. And, and I feel like that's something that just generally somebody like, Oh, that person is athletic, right? right. They, can, they know right. how to move. They can, they're going to be the best at ping pong if they 
played sure. it a couple times. But it all transfers. It's like but, they've mm-hmm. been exposed to it, right? Right. Like the yeah. best, the best wide receivers are, are probably good at basketball. Like are right. probably good at baseball if they if they like had the shag balls or something like that. Like they can move around, they can run things down, they can they can know how to react to these things. Right. And this seems like I, I feel like this concept because people do kind of block it into athleticism or, or being a good athlete, just how I did just now, it kind of, it might turn them off to the idea that they could get better at this. Right. Like how, how, like what's the, the transformation like with people, like how, how much time or like how quickly or like how often should someone be doing this type of thing before they start to like, be more comfortable and be able to transfer yeah. transfer things over. It's it's totally a mindset thing at the start. Like people need to stop, you know, when they start doing, Oh, I, I could never do that or whatever else. And, you know, with social media, there's a million memes out there that tell you like, believe in yourself and fail to succeed and all that kind <laughs> of stuff. It's like, yeah, we've all seen that, but if you don't actually experience it, and then like sit back and realize it wasn't that bad. And if you do something more than once, like you'll realize you get better at it. Right. Um, and you see, you see people become like better confident movers or just at least have the mindset to be like, okay, that looks like I'm not going to be that good at it, but what's that adaptation to like mostly do what Mick's trying to get out of the exercise without it being like, so hardcore or so high or so much weight or stuff like that. So I think, I think people need to expose themselves to like small increments of it and not be scared to like fail or look bad or Mm -hmm. try or just be like confident to be like, all right, what is this? Like get, get a suggestion, just move through it and then realize like, yeah, that move seemed pretty like insane at the start. But once you kind of put it together it's not that bad. And, and, you know, we are talking about reaction, but weapon factory is like, you're still lifting some good weight. There's some concepts. So I usually will tell people like, okay, this is your strength exercise. So go heavy. And if you, your conditioning is through exertion of like lifting a heavy weight and controlling the weight, but, um, people learn how to do that too. Right. And, uh, doing combo moves, getting a rhythm to it, anything like that. I think, doing something different that you might not know or just having the like mindset to try it first. And then after the fact, you just start to build onto it. Right. You see those people who are, like you said, great athletes and everything like that. It's cause like they slowly just built this, like, I don't know, mindset that, yeah, all right, give me that Frisbee. Like I'll figure it out in 10 minutes. And it's, it's funny what you can figure out watching people learning and just like playing around with it. So I uh, think repetitions and, and just being exposed to it. But once you do that, I think it transfers a lot to everything else in your life. So uh, the idea of weapon factory is also just kind of like, guys, like we need to start, we need to start kind of being here and not, there's no egos in the class or whatever else. And uh, just cause I'm better than you doesn't mean I don't remember what it was like when I was at that stage. Right. That we're not the same. You know, right. we're still the same. And this, and this guy mm-hmm. that looks super fit and is lifting lots of weight and everything, you need to realize he's working just as hard as you, uh, at like an early stage, like you're working through and you're having trouble and you, you're a little awkward, but 
I want this class to challenge, let's say the best of athletes and give them things. So it's nice because it's, it's not, it's appealing to the right minded people. It's not appealing to like a certain standard person or athlete. And that I, I, some of the things you said, like working in small increments, like when doing things that are out of the norm or out of like your comfort zone and essentially like you're progressing discomfort, you know, progressing yeah. like yeah. the shedding of the ego. That's you know? where you get Just, better, right? Stem, stimulus in training, obviously discomfort, but like mental stimulus, mental or, stimulus. Yeah. I mean, you, you know it, like you, you run your own business and you're doing that you're trying to fit in your training and you look at some times where you're busy or something like that and mentally like you figure it out and then when all of a sudden when it's still busy but it's not like that busy all of a sudden it feels like you got so much time on your hand like I I was happy to have this podcast and I got things going on after this and it's nice to have it's nice to have time but it's also nice to be exposed to Cause it makes you better. It just, it just levels up. And, uh, I think that's why they always say like, get the, get the busiest person to do work. Cause they'll probably be able to fit it in or figure it out. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think of that the same way, like that mental capacity as like bandwidth and like the same way that your physical bandwidth will expand. Like you figure out how to get all this stuff in, how to, how to pack everything in like to a point it, it could be detrimental to somebody for sure. And like, if stress takes over, but like, you don't know until you like try to build that out. Right. Like what, yeah. What you could be capable of doing. Yeah. And, and, and you know what also like, you know, some of the hardest things are the biggest learning experiences for people. So as soon as it's done, eventually you get through it. And then it's, it's like, whether it's through training or anything else, it's, you kind of like, it makes you almost like reset. If it's all just like, you're just trying things out or whatever else you're not really challenging yourself and you're just, uh, you'll just kind of stay, you'll go back to whatever you were, your norm was. Yeah. And yeah. if you're not it, like taking on those challenges and like, cause it comes to those moments, right. Where you're, you're set and it's like, I could either push beyond what is normal, but that is scary, you know, and it's much easier to pull back. And you mentioned something before about not being, there is no ego involved. And I think right. that that is a, an issue that happens and it blocks people in this case for their general well-being. But just like in, in in all aspects of life, there's this ego that's pulling people down from from trying to expand who they are. So it, as far as the weapon factory is concerned or just kind of your general ethos, like, is there something that you guys do to kind of like break down those walls or something that you've done in your own? I think I of? always, I think I always just bring it up at the start of class. I'm like, hmm. guys, if this is your time frame, like let's say we're doing 50 seconds on an exercise or whatever else. I'm like, if you put that weight down at 50 seconds and you might find the first round, you might be like, okay, I need to get more weight. People are getting better at it. Right. But I'm saying like, if you see someone putting down weight or you see someone putting their hands on their knees or, you know, just taking a break, it's not because they're giving up. It's because they're actually challenging that like limit. And that's not something to be embarrassed about. Like in people in, in some classes are like, Oh, I could classes are good because they keep me honest to work, work hard, but they're still not really challenging 
like you have to fail or you have to like just your muscles have to have to work through that fatigue or that stimulus or at least the overload principle where um you're putting it through like numerous things that are going to make the make it adapt mm-hmm. um so again like if you yeah if you put down that medicine ball because your arms are done uh you're doing it successfully it's like good <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah great right. you got like, to this point yeah you you get an extra five seconds to breathe but you also actually made a change and so i i just say that and i say like for new people that come in like one class is different than the next you could be there one day and it's legs and you train legs hard and you're you're like that kind of athlete maybe that has some conditioning in that way and you you like you do well it's still obviously challenging workout and you 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 just feel good about the movements then you come to upper body and it's like holy like i can't even do five of these pull-ups or whatever else so it's i always tell people like you gotta you could come five times and feel great like feel great and accomplish three times and two times you might leave being like i want to get better at that but now i know what to do and i'm going to steal some of these moves and add them to my other weekly workouts with a more strength-based thing or, or conditioning and that's what i'm going to do plus they all they all start adapting because their their movements are exposed to it so they naturally just become more competent movers for sure and, and i like where you're coming from with like it's okay for your arms to be burning because it's better for that person to get to that point because so often especially in these kind of like group fitness classes it, like people aren't willing. You can to go through the motions. Yeah. You and can still, go and, and, and still get check it off. It. Yeah. You can like market a workout. Your watch will say you worked out that yeah. day. That's nice. And we've but all like, been there. We've all been there. You, oh, for sure. You've gone done a run or whatever else or done a workout and you're, you kind of find yourself going through it. But, mailed it in. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. sure. And obviously like people are like, wow, Mick, like, do you train like weapon factory every day? I'm like, God, no, I probably wouldn't do <laughs> half of these workouts. You yeah, know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's like, I know you guys are like not challenging yourselves on your own. So this is your, like, this is part of your weekly routine, mm-hmm. but this isn't, I don't, we talk about what you should be doing Wednesday. Like I prep them. So they're not overtraining certain things or people know kind of how to fit it into their own workouts. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm not doing these like hero badass workouts every day. And really like for OCR, like I tell people a lot of my conditioning is through running. So Mm -hmm. I cannot just, but I know they're not running. So that's where I'm sneaking it in and that's where I'm challenging them. But for me, I'm like, yeah, come do 800 meter repeats with me and then tell me you want to do a weapon factory world workout (laughs) like the next day. Like it's just, you know, I'm smashed. So yeah, uh, a lot of my lifting is kind of like, it's those movements, but it's at like a, it's at a more like paced. It's like accessory work. Yeah. But yeah. I, I'm, I, I've, I've always, I mean, I have a little bit of ADHD as you can tell. I was uh, snapping that thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm always doing, I'm always doing something. And, uh, I never, when I started playing around at the weight room, I don't think I ever even understood the concept of like doing a set and resting in between. Right. Like I was always, and I understood the concepts like going through kinesiology and like exercise science and everything. Like I, I understood that like 
you got to work opposing muscles or, or depending on what you're doing, but you am always supersetting something, but those are very level heart rate workouts, you know? Right. They're, um, they're still within that like power phase. It's yeah. not just like, you're not doing 15 minute AMRAPs. Right. Know? But it's like, but it's like, okay, if I'm, if I could just stand and do lateral raises with dumbbells, or I could lock my feet in, do like a half, half crunch to stability, do like a lateral raise and then like twist to the side to get a little obliques on the like kind of up phase of it. That just seems so much more beneficial and, and more interesting to me than just your classic lifts. Mm -hmm. So, um, although like you do obviously see the classic lifts in my workouts, they're always just like, you know, there's always the variation that makes you honest with the lift or um, makes it more core based or brings in kind of two muscle groups or different things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I do the same thing with my training. Like I'll superset most things, but if they're an antagonistic muscle groups or right. if it is just, or if like my, or if I'm like working for straight power or something, like if I'm doing deadlifts, like I will just do deadlifts and then I'll move into other things right. that aren't going to deter that yeah. for sure. And you mentioned that, you know, you put this so people can take these principles and take them outside, but yeah, it's not. And it, and like it's exposing people's weaknesses and getting them out of the comfort zone, but it's not the ideal way essentially to train for OCR, like how you had mentioned, and you started to bring up some of your own right. training, which I'm super curious about because I know you don't run that much, <laughs> like compared to like some right. of the yeah. other guys. Um, and you're still, don't share my secrets. <laughs> Take this from me. Just, just don't run and you'll be fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then you'll just like, run fast and then you'll run fast. It'll be just like Mick. Save but, uh, but yeah, tell me a little, a little bit about that. It seems like you do know how to pick your spots and like you do yeah. run with anybody. Like there, there's not many races. Like if you were to come down to say Jacksonville, which is the first race of the series, it's a flat course. Um, yeah. I'm sure you would be with like, no one's going to run away from you. Um, yeah. Where there's guys that are going to be running like myself, I'm probably gonna be running like 80, 90 miles a week. So I'm, I'm on the very opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah. But like you're not going anywhere. Like you're like, I'm not going anywhere from you. So tell me yeah. a little bit about how you like... So if we're talking out. about like reps, like let's say you're running, let's say 80 miles, like I'm lucky if I'm maybe getting 25 miles a week. Um, so that's like a, that's a pretty classic week. I mean, I, I really have to kind of make time for my training and uh, the idea of like being able to run, let's say around nine, 10 miles a day. And then on top of it still train is either going to either going to be too difficult to fit in or it's going to make me not enjoy running as much as I do. Mm. So, uh, at the start I would second guess everything. Whenever I heard someone like you, I'd, I'd see someone who was like a great runner and faster than I was and whatever else and using those, like keep saying volume, volume, volume. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Like if you think about it, even my upper body workouts are almost more aerobic than most people's gym sessions. So, um, I'm still challenging my aerobic fitness more than just when I'm running, mm. we'll say. But, uh, in terms of that, I just, I really just try and fit in. And this all depends on what, uh, what race I have coming up next, mm. but I really try to do like 
one speed work workout where it's, you know, just, just almost like track work. And I, and I love doing that. And the volume's never under, let's say, or it's never over 5k of work, quality work with, without rest and everything. But, um, and then like some kind of hybrid workout where you, maybe you're pyramiding up into almost like a tempo area or a threshold rep and back down or back and forth between the two into like faster kicks or something like that, where you're going, let's say like a three minute rep, 30 seconds rest, 30 second rep, and just working on that, like, Mm. like end end speed thing. And then, and then I just get in my long run. And sometimes that long run is obviously getting longer based on what I'm training for next. But that's kind of, that's kind of where I'm at. And I mean, this, and now it's off season. So I'm running two and a half times a week. When I say half, I'll, I'll just put in like a, a recovery run, like easy, you know, six miles kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like it. Like I'm excited to get back to running, get back to hard workouts and like mentally, uh, yeah, I like it. And, and even though I'm running in snow and everything like that, like you can find some ice and get some spikes and do speed work on that or get on the indoor track. Yeah. So it seems to be working and I, and I, and I used to second guess myself a lot. Obviously you hear people and I know to get to the elite level, like I understand the idea of volume and I know that if I really want to get to that next stage, I probably need to change a bit, but ultimately like my goal is not to just have running as my life Mm -hmm. and to not be like, I gotta, I gotta teach. I gotta have, you know, 500 human interactions a day. I cannot be like a zombie for my students. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be a zombie for my friends and family and I want to be able to see them. And so you, you're just kind of working on that balance. And I think the choice to do it that way, I found that I can still get to a certain pace fitness and I can still enjoy it without thinking of it as like a chore or anything. And, and really like I haven't really had any kind of like injuries that have set me back. So still, if I'm running consistently three times a week, but for four years and someone else is on and off and whatever else it's, you know, I just kind of have to believe in it, but come summer and everything, obviously I'm running a little more. I'm probably putting in another session. That's more of like a race simulation with added Hills and carries and kind of like fluctuating aerobic base building with like lactic spurts Mm -hmm. and then learn like teaching my body how to flush it out in between. And, uh, yeah, just kind of goes or, or just go for a long bike or something like that, but I'm always trying to improve it. Um, but hopefully that, hopefully that makes people feel better that (laughs) they can, they can maybe get still improve their running by not just running so much. Right. Yeah. And and that's why we're in this sport, right? Right. If you wanted to just run, like you should just do a marathon or or something. And And it's uh, all quality work too. Like I'm not, maybe I'm not putting in all those extra miles in base. And I know that that serves a huge purpose, but um, yeah, the, the, 
the workouts I do do, the run workouts that I do, they're they're definitely hitting the right thing, and I'm definitely challenge like building up to the right stage of it. So, and like the blueprint that you laid out, where it's like two quality workouts in a long run, that's essentially what anybody who's doing a seven day or six day running uh, program a, a week is doing. Right. right. Like, like the way that you're getting aerobic work is just different than what someone putting in base mileage would be. And there is no blueprint, right? There is no like real set way on how to do this. And the training that you're doing, like with the athleticism stuff and the reaction training, and that's, what's kind of keep, it's probably where you have such an edge on these other guys in your quality work and what you're able to accomplish on like the faster workouts is right. the same as anybody else. Yeah. And, and, and it's a great point. Like, yeah, if you run 60 miles for, 10 weeks and then get hurt like it's better to run 25 for four years you know right yeah because it yeah. is just a matter of how much you, volume you can amass over time not how much you can crunch into a short period right. and i'm on my feet all day like in a good way i'm moving you know i'm having a dodgeball thrown at me every once in a while and like <laughs> reacting to catch it and moving equipment and you know, you're in this like steady state of like, just kind of like standing base, which I think for the longer runs makes a huge difference. Mm. Um, and just, you know, like even just having a strong lower back and all that kind of stuff, it all kind of adapts to it. Yeah. But, you're you're um, using your skeletal system to like support yourself or most of us sure. are sitting around all day. For sure. But, uh, I, I just like, I've, I, there was a gym last year that had, uh, they had treadmills that went up to 22%, which is not huge, but at least not bad. it's not bad. And it's almost at that stage where if you can run that, if you can run well at that incline, you can still be competitive if it's the right race makeup, right? You could go, you could go to a mountain race and the, the grade is like closer to 35 and some, one of the other guys, the hill he trains at is more that style. And, he'll just be more comfortable at that. But so I started, I'll, I'll rock climb once a week and then I'll do some kind of base uphill mileage, at least kind of like I'll cycle through three things. So one day I'll do like almost like a tempo or easy pace, but consistent. Then the next day I'll do kind of like longer intervals with uh, long rep rest. And then the next day get a bit more speed and then kind of cycle back and improve my numbers at all of them. So I'll do that on like a three week cycle and that's been consistent because I go rock climb every Wednesday. And so I guess that's adding to like, let's say a fourth day of aerobic training. Mm. Yeah. And, and yeah, and that was something else that I did want to mention first that cycling every three to four weeks is gold, you know, yeah. like instead of getting stuck in the same type of progression, like banging at eight hundreds. For, for 32 yeah. weeks it's like oh, yeah. all right i mean like you're gonna get faster it's not for not but like you need to switch that stimulus just how we mentioned like at the gym you need to change it up to get right. that adaptation um but like we had mentioned in the beginning that manitoba is flat and you still do well like you did well um would you say like your breakout race would be ocr world championship 15k like in 2000 what 18 17 like where were you like fifth there? Yeah. Yeah. So like, I mean I technically I was sixth, but sixth. um then uh Wood Woodsy got uh got a DQ. DQ'd as always. So, and uh Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but and, but anyways, uh, that was a that was a great that was probably the race where I started realizing, um, you know, just just try your best to stay with those guys. Sometimes you can mentally like check yourself out. You just think someone's better than you, and you just sit behind them, and you're just knowing that like you just want to stay close, right? And you know, then all of a sudden you have a couple races where you're you're going past them because it's more based on your strengths or you actually train for it. Uh, that was, yeah, that was a great race, but that had, you know, when you get to OCR worlds, all of a sudden there's more athletic obstacles for, for sure. But so, that one was also on a mountain for that, sure. That yeah. wasn't a yeah. flat, definitely plain definitely. course. So um, I, I like to think of it as like, number one, I know how to challenge the stimulus to at least know that when I'm going uphill and it probably hurts for me more because I don't expose myself to it. I know my systems know how to deal with the output and deal with cycling out of when, when your quads get full and then you top out. Like I, I know that when I get right into pace that even though it sucks, like I know my legs are going to turn over Mm. and, and exposing myself to that. And it's doing, you know, whether it's doing like stair climber, like repeat workouts or, or like lots of plyometrics. Like I, if you saw like a leg day routine, like a lot of people would see it more as like a conditioning thing with two heavy lifts at the start. So I'll always kind of add in, let's say it's a, let's say it's a front squat day and like a hip hinge, something like a, I don't know, just hip extensions. Like very something, yeah. yeah. So I'll do like those two superset with just skipping or something. And then I'll move mostly into like plyometrics and like weighted plyometrics and hmm. deceleration work where it's like dropping off a box, then coming back onto a box and then like going back and forth over or whatever else. So um, I just like that kind of training. And I think that load and that load output helps me go uphill and and i also just think it it comes down to like who it's like your perceived exertion Mm. and some guys are fitter than me for sure to run up that hill but for some reason they stay in their like zone that they're like oh i should like they get into a pace or they don't run the like five steps where it gets a little flatter and then get back into a power hike or you know i'll i'll figure out different ways to navigate an uphill. Um, But I think it's also output based and just realizing like sometimes to like do well in a race, like you got to test that limit of like, yeah, I might, this might like mess me up later, but I got to stay close. Got to find out. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Like I, I, uh, I really do think like some, some people, if they expose themselves to working harder at certain things that they're like, try to be safe at, they could do it. And then they're still within like striking distance and then their skills come out. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And you don't know until you get there and you won't know if you can do it unless you put yourself there. Um, yeah. so yeah, from a, a mentality standpoint, for sure. Like you're just not afraid to go and afraid to fail. Like that's like a, a concept that keeps popping up. It's like just getting out of the comfort zone and just, seeing right. where it puts you. Um, but from a practical standpoint, the plyos are a, a great idea. Sure. Like it's a, like still, it is there's no way output. Yeah. Yeah. Like you are, there's no you're, way. You're still fit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's, and that's the thing. Like I don't, I don't want to just be really good at running up mountains. I don't want to be just good on a track and I don't want to be able to like 
like I'm still, I'm back to almost like being able to do my one, one arm pull-ups and I'm working towards getting 20 strict muscle-ups in a row. And it's kind of like, I still love to have those like aspects of like, you're not, maybe I'm not some pure calisthenics athlete and I'm not some, you know, if I show up to the university track meet, I'm not beating any of those guys in a 400, but I've got decent times. And, and it's kind of like, if you just keep working at it and then specifically know how to prime them up, if you want to get better, then you just kind of work at it. So if I know a mountain race is coming up, like I'm getting my quads used to that. Now I'm pro I'm probably because I don't train in the mountains after a race, the recovery after a big mountain race is hard for me. Like, people get up and they race the next day and they go do all this stuff. Like my quads are smashed. Like you, I may run downhill fast, but it's not efficient. <laughs> like I am just, yeah. Like just letting it fly. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, that's all I can do. Like it's obviously it comes with practice and different things like that. And, uh, and I'll get through it and then they'll let me know what I did the next day because I don't do it consistently. But at least some of that deceleration work, some of that mm. plyometric work, um, and and when I do have hills here, like I don't, for some reason, I actually enjoy doing like hill repeat workouts and working on that strength base. But because it's not, I don't have those long gradual ones. It's all quality work, so it's like, them. yeah, it's like hard uphills with a with a tire behind my back or mm. uh, different things like that. So I try to replicate how it feels and then you know if you are replicating how it feels and the right muscle groups you know that's going to translate if you recover properly and and keep progressing it so that's all i can like hope for and i'm not a heart rate based monitor like athlete or anything it's all on feel and i and i think that translates into races better when you're running and you're at, at like going back and forth throughout different things, I just, I know I can feel when uh, like maybe I can go harder or I can like, I should ease up a bit. Yeah. And that does set you up for the like heart rate's fine, but like, it's not a great judge, especially in races where you do need to kind of put yourself in a place and it's always not accurate. So like going on that field, like something like a tire, like it's not, it's not exactly specific, but it, you're replicating the the specific feel of what yeah. it's going to be like halfway up yeah. a mountain. At, you want to, you know, it's a, if you don't have a heavy tire, like one of the best ways to work on that heavy tire flip from Spartan is like, so you take one of those weight clips and, uh, so you've like got a metal one. Yeah. Or, or like they have like those circular ones that go on and then clip yeah, the, tighter. You're talking about the ones yeah. that, that, that go or on barbells. the barbells so yeah. that the weights don't fall. Yeah. So you put that actually, you set up a landmine press, whether they have, have an actual landmine thing where you're putting one part of the barbell in and then it's angled up to do, let's say lots of different moves, like a shoulder press or like squat or lunge or something. Yeah. And you put that, you put that clip on first halfway down the barbell like where the weights stack and then you put the weights like a bunch of 45s depending on how much weight you can actually lift but you set up the stack so the last plate is really close to the edge of that barbell enough that it's not going to like scrape your stomach and then you go down and you put your hands underneath that you're getting like that really low lean and you're getting that like tire flip 
motion. Huh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So so you've got you've got your landmine, you've got the clip. If you if you don't use the clip, then you've got a barbell in your stomach, right? So this way it creates like that that weight right in front of you, like that and you just can lean over it, get your fingers just underneath the bottom of that, and you can do reps of like a heavy exerted lift, just like huh. the just like the tire. So thinking of ways like that. I'm thinking of ways in races, all the different kinds of movements. Like you look at the new obstacle, like the box where it's, um, it's like, well, the people do it different ways, but they'll go up the the rope and then they got to reach to the next thing or whatever else. But because I can do a muscle up and because I can, I do it strict and I don't swing around or anything. It's pretty easy for me to like, just sneak up and get my hips above the box and then, flip over it you know what i mean mm-hmm. so there's like there's different things and you look at the movement but you got to train it properly you can't just assume your body's going to have that or doing that one move is going to exert you so much that uh you're tired afterwards you're not just flowing through the obstacle yeah i like that and like the the box example is great like doing muscle up practice or if you don't have those like strict chest to bar stuff like right on pulling yourself as high as you can yeah and the tire one, that's gold. <laughs> that yeah. really is good. That's a really. I was like playing. So, and things come to the, and I think that's like what we were talking about weapon factory and training for obstacle racing and stuff like that. Like I always train, trained like that and thinking of like new versions of things or kind of like playing around. Like, I think that's one like creativity thing I've always had. And mm-hmm. that was another reason to create weapon factory is like, I have all these exercises and it's challenging me to create new ones and like really think of the concepts. And so I've added lots of things that I've, I've made from that into my own training. And that's something that's really cool. Yeah. That within weapon factory that you see these unique movements. Cause a lot of times trainers will get stuck in what they read in the NASM book or whatever, or whatever they saw, like, okay, this is the variation of, like you right. said, landmine. It's like okay, landmine press to strict press to like barbell press, whatever. But like, yeah, they don't have to be that way. <laughs> yeah, or you <laughs> can just follow a couple random guys on Instagram that do, do really cool exercises. But there has to be like a purpose to them within the workout. You can't just like make people do random exercises. Yeah, like they're not going to really get better or necessarily know how to progress to it. They might if get hurt. Not. Yeah. If they don't yeah. make sense. Like, and I think that's where people push back on that. They're like, well, I don't want to add variations because these people need to learn how to hip hinge. For sure. Instance, before yeah. they do anything. Yeah. You know? yeah. So look at like what the three best exercises that promote proper hip hinge before you're even talking about like a kettlebell swing or mm-hmm. different things like that. Or, um, yeah, yeah. It's just, it, it's all understanding that and just kind of, I'm, I think I'm constantly just trying to learn always, even with running and everything like that. And I hope everyone is, you know, totally. And like your mentality shines through with that. Like you're, you're like how you want to get people out of their comfort zone so that not only their physical preparedness gets better, but also that they can translate into everything else, you know, like, and that seems to be like the ethos of weapon factory is from what I'm taking away at the end of the day is like, don't be afraid to play around to learn more to be creative um and it definitely like in the, the way that you like you're presenting it definitely sh- shows that um how are you yeah. doing on time 
Uh, I'm I'm alright. We could chat a couple more minutes. Okay, just yeah. I have a couple yeah. couple random questions uh, at the end that will just kind of fly through, kind of like a lightning round style. I know it's an original idea, but a lightning round. Have you ever heard of something like that? That's for sure. I hope I have good answers. You know, when have- people ask you, and it's like. Oh, you'll you think of not think of your favorite color. Your yeah, your your <laughs> your answers are going to be terrible right now. But then, like ten minutes, yeah, I'll like, send you my like ah, second yeah, yeah. version. No, and I'll that's just, the point. That's I'll just dub point. it in later. Yeah, yeah. You'll think, and then and then you'll have these answers to questions that no one's ever going to ask you again. Right. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but just real quick, I was curious because you 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 are an educator, um, physical educator. You work phys ed. Uh, you're working with the youth, and um, I'm curious as to. to to see what kind of merit you feel like obstacle course racing could have at the scholastic level, like even like as a scholastic sport, like your high school team, your high school has an obstacle course race team. Like, right. So um, we, uh, I mean, I've, I've promoted. So being, being this, like kids know about Ninja warrior kids mm -hmm. don't really necessarily know about obstacle racing. Um, some students obviously know it because of me now. So, um, in grade 11, 12, they get personal choice hours. So 10 hours of something of their choice that we offer as phys ed teachers. So, um, and then they don't have to go to class for the last 10 hours. Uh, so the last two Sweet. weeks of class. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so they don't have to come to regular gym class, but they have to commit and record and do this. So they'll have scuba diving as an option, but They'll have cross-country skiing, like different things that you might not be able to do in a regular gym class that hopefully a student's going to be exposed to and be like, hey, I like this. Like maybe I'll keep doing this after high school. And maybe they found like the thing that keeps them fit for the rest of their life. But uh, I offered obstacle racing. Tra- we trained. We watched videos. We threw like javelins. And, and then a friend of mine has obstacles in the back of his gym. So He's got a facility and a big complex in the back. He's got walls, monkey bars, that kind of stuff. So the end point of the personal choice training was going there and going through it. And the kids loved it. We had, what, like 60-plus kids come out to it. Wow. Students that, you know, students that didn't even have to do personal choice just came to it to see it. And they and we're going to do it again this year. The problem is, is, I think they also need like some races in the community. Mm. Whereas Winnipeg wouldn't have it. But let's say they did it in wherever you are and a race is coming by and you show them and then you're like, Hey, by the way, if you like this, you can just like a run run thing, right? You have a running club and then you're like, Hey, the local marathons here, you could do a 10 K, you could do a relay. And then they have something that they, it, it seems a little more purposeful. Um, so it'd be great. I would love the idea of cross country races in early years and middle years for students to have a heat of like just basic obstacles. Yeah, like hurdles or yeah. like uh, hurdles. A have a sandbag. Yeah. Have you know? Don't even put barbed wire down. Just make students crawl. Like put mm-hmm. some tape tape down. You gotta stay under it. Whatever else, and then maybe like very just very simple things like that, um, and. I bet you would get more kids trying it out yeah. and continuing to do it. I, I like, I mean, people talk about youth all the time and being on their phones and everything like that, but it's, you do realize that running is hard running and fitness 
is hard. And like some kids just like don't want to be exposed to it. <laughs> like, so all of a sudden you put some, some things peppered into it and everything like that. And they want to work hard, but it switches it up a bit. And uh, yeah. So I've, I've thought about proposing that and it wouldn't be that hard to organize. It would just be, yeah, it could be a really neat thing to offer. It would just be like getting all the other teachers, like the phys ed teachers on board and then trying it out. And I mean, we have a couple local mud races that they could try, but it's unfortunate when you show them like, let's say OCR world championships course and all the really cool obstacles and whatever else. And, and the organization is ran really well. Uh, and then they go to like a local race and it's not really, let's say run properly or different things like that. It doesn't seem as like, uh, serious as they thought it was going to be, but maybe they want to just do it for fun. Yeah. And then, and then when you even think about like a kids going out for like a 5k or something, you're not going to get those kind of results. If like, they're not, if it's not like they're bust there, if it's not just True. like right at their disposal, it might be hard for them to get there. Um, that was a really long rapid fire thing, by the way. I'll, uh, well, that I'll wasn't part better. of the, that wasn't part of the rapid <laughs> oh, okay. fire. That was, okay. that was supposed <laughs> to be, cause I figured you had some thoughts on this and I think, yeah, it, I think it's interesting, man. I think, I mean, kids, you see how this type of racing and training for running and everything has exposed you to like discomfort and being disciplined with training and being consistent about something to get better at it and realizing there's a lot of other people that are better than you. Yeah. No matter, no matter where you go, there's always like a next level. Right. Um, so I think all that, all that is good to expose students to like, if they're, if they're getting exposed to things like that, then they're going to realize like, again, it just goes to your mental like state when you're going towards something where you're like, you know what, that person's a way better runner than me, but they run five times a week and I just show up and I'm a volleyball player. I haven't ran at all, but I'm doing pretty good. I bet I'm more naturally talented. If I put time in, I know how to do that. And, and that's the kind of athlete I feel like that it would attract. It would like, cause like running, like you said, it sucks. <laughs> and like, it's there, there are, there's not that much time to get better at it. And it's like a lot in, in terms of like scholastic sports. So like people, the cream kind of rises pretty fast, like a certain type of kid, but like you can yep. get those kids that don't have anything that might not play um, American football here in the fall or, or whatever. And that play volleyball or in the spring and just don't have anything for them in the fall. Like, or like these lacrosse players or something like these mm -hmm. athletes who can that do something else. And it's not just running because also running is not that cool for high school kids, like being serious, like, that's probably yeah. a big no it's a, it's a, I, I'm I'm in charge of the cross country and track programs at the high school that I'm at now and we just won two provincial titles in volleyball nice. we have we have high level basketball I also train the football players so we have a football academy class and I I teach football academy so I'm teaching those guys how to like train properly and you know what to eat and just different things and just but in terms of like building a, an atmosphere around running at a school that doesn't have that atmosphere already. And that culture, like it's building the culture first and then exposing them to different things and showing them that like you can join a track team. And like, if you want to go to university and look at a scholarship or you have some potential, like that's pretty cool. There's a route. And, yeah. uh, and, and you can get better at it. Like it's, 
if anything, running is one of the most rewarding things at the start when you get into it. If you build properly and like get, you know, just start. I mean, you do see huge improvements. For sure. And like they're tangible, right? There, There's a time yeah. you can see it. For sure. Um, yeah. And I, that's what I'm hoping that like things that like and the things that we're doing, right? Like we're kind of like the first wave of people who are really in like the pro or elite waves of these of this sport. And like if the if the, the sport can attract better athletes and there could be more money in this sport, like the Canadian series getting money, I think is a big step because yeah. it will at least like like expand the exposure a little bit. And like if that can continue to grow and if this gives like athletes something to train for while they're in high school and there's a high school team or even collegiate teams, like then like what we're doing now could infuse the entire culture all the way down to the youth. And like, that would be something that I think would be really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. All right, cool. So get to work on that OCR team and, uh, <laughs> yeah, let me know we'll be out. maybe I'll bring them, you know, what? like telling them that there is a race, let's say over here and they could do it. Like I have students, uh, actually, that have traveled to a Spartan race after I showed them what it was and oh, cool. they've done it. Yeah. Obviously they're not like racing all the time, but yeah. once a year they're like, okay, I'm going to go do this race and my family supports it. And yeah, it's great. So um, obviously if you get parents into it too, they're going to expose their kids to it or yeah. at least they're, they're going to see what it's doing for them. So that's also the thing. And I'm sure there's n- like it's a zero, probably zero kids that are doing the kids races at Spartan. Like their parents aren't doing, I'm, I'm sure it's just right. not kids dragging their parents. It's their parents dragging their kids and the kids well, getting it, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. still cool. Um, now, yeah. You see it, the yeah. kids championship lately. Like dude, that was so sick. That was, that was those, so pumped. Those kids were flying and they were like running so hard. And, and you know what? Grinding. It just makes me happy. It's I'm so, it makes me happy to see like being a teacher and just knowing like, what experience does for students and just that kind of stuff being exposed to it early and everything. You think that kid's not coming back to school on the Monday and like, you know, if it's a little cold out or his shoes a little wet from a puddle or something, he's complaining about it. Like it's, it's totally just exposure to like discomfort and it's exposure to, um, you know, people that are better than you. Like if you're walking like that's okay, but like then want to get better right? and, and realize that like there's, yeah, it's, it's all good. And it's still a community and people are supportive and everyone's cheering you on and they all had to work towards that. Right. They all had to qualify for it. So that's a cool thing in itself. Yeah. It shows that payoff. And yeah, just like the videos of like these, like, I don't know, adolescent We're in girls. trouble. We're in trouble. Wait oh. like 10 years. We're, we're done. Yeah, good. And that's like that's like the whole point, you know. We're going to look back and be like, we had it easy. Right. Um, Although, right. yeah, it's it's still pretty tough right now. Right. No, 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 I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if we just get, we get kid, 13-year-old yeah. kids doing this, then it's going to be yeah. Um, cool. Are you ready for this lightning round? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So if you had uh if you had to go into a one-on-one battle gladiator style, what weapon would you pick? Cool. Uh you know what? I would probably, man, that's a hard one. I'm not much of like a, I wasn't allowed weapons as a kid or anything. You have the weapon factory. That's your thing. (laughs) Yes. Mental weapon. No, uh, (laughs) I'd probably, 
I'm trying to think what would be probably one of those cool like curved swords that are pretty quick. Mm. Got to use, like use a speed advantage. I'm, am I allowed a shield too? I feel like if I could outlast someone, then they get really tired, and then I just need to poke them. You so you would just use your feet? You just run maybe around. double double shield with a little <laughs> da- dagger, and then just, just run away. Defense. Yeah. <laughs> All right, double shield with a dagger. I like that. I thought you were gonna say like a kettlebell, and I was like, that's not gonna work well. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite book? Uh, the book. Okay, yeah, two two books. Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Strong. Love, love that book. Love the concept of like your atmosphere or whatever else. And the book I'm reading right now, just because it's coming to mind, it's called Willpower Doesn't Work. Mm. Um, and it's all about like how to set up things around you that we think we have so much willpower, but with consistency and atmosphere and what you're exposed to, like that's more important to your decision making than having good willpower. And we think people have good willpower, but it's more their surroundings and their their routines and like the habits that are automatic. Yeah. And it's, but it's, it's very scientific and it's, it's got great examples and um, you know, it, everyone can relate to that. It's fine. But um, you can only have willpower for so long. Then all of a sudden, you know, Christmas comes around or routines change and whatever else. And you, you know, people, people that try and just grind through it with willpower. It's not always, you're not setting yourself up for success. Anyway, it's a really interesting. I just moved in, like, not just, but I've uh, been living on my own, like, solo for a while. Nice. And it's a really interesting book because I am in full control of my own routines here. Like, I'm not, you know what I mean? So yeah, it's so a good, can... it's a great concept for someone that's, like, fully in control with it or wants to, like, build it with someone else and just commit to it because it is also the people you're around. And, Yeah. Cool. And that's willpower doesn't work. And yeah. I, that's, that's my shit right there. Like I read this book called the willpower instinct. It's along the same lines, just like studies and just talking about ways to kind of set up your life to make things automatic and that atomic habits that yeah. uh, aims yeah. clear. Yeah. Those are like, so those are the books that like, if you want to learn how to like diet or lose weight or make a transformation, like it's those books. It's not necessarily like the science books on the what you should eat and why. It's- right. I don't really read like, let's say storybooks. Like that's, those are the kind of books I read. And it's yeah. like, it's just that that's okay. But I think the first book that got me into it was rise of the Superman, which is all based hmm. on flow state and yeah. Stephen Kotler. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And based on that other book, but uh, that was kind of the first book that I started reading and relating to, let's say athletics and fitness and everything. And then after that, I was just like, more. I'm just going to keep reading books. Like <laughs> yeah. 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 And and when you're dealing with people, like it really, it's really practical. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Next one. What is your pre-race ritual like? Okay. Well, it's got to be coffee, but let's say I'll, I'll, I'll get up. I got to put on a really good tune. So that's nothing that like gets me psyched up. Like let's say ready for war or something like that, but something just like good vibes, you know, keep it light. I have all my race stuff set up. I'll have like pretty simple, just oatmeal with a bit of like nutrition in it. And then, um, yeah, a couple, a couple of quick things like that. And I would say, I would say the main thing you're talking about morning before race yep. or when yeah, I get like, to race. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like the, the whole deal. Like if you have something specific that when you get to the race mm-hmm. that you need to get, you need to do. I think, I think the main thing is going through like dynamics properly and getting enough time to like set, set myself up to not like 
change my mindset to rush and everything, but be okay with if something doesn't go as planned. Um, now I think like, so I'll have a routine, but I like to think that if my routine, if something comes up that it somehow isn't working, uh, to not get stressed out about it. Cause that's not going to help anything. For um, sure. I like yeah, that. Nothing. I, I would say that's, that's more like the routine is to set yourself up, but also be okay with like not being super regiment and serious. Um, and also enjoy, like, I like, I really like when I get to a race is actually trying to have a couple good human interactions. Feel like if you show up and you're just so focused and everything, like I, I'm traveling to do this. I want to race and I want to still enjoy like the people. There's some really cool people in this community and there's some really good people. And if you're not appreciating like the atmosphere of it, um, sometimes you show up, race, leave, and you're like, wow, like, why was I so serious? Like my fitness was where it was at. And, um, yeah, it's just like, it's just trying to enjoy the whole experience. Like when the day comes, that's like, you've, you put the work in, like, it's just enjoy it. Yeah. Remember to have fun. And I like the idea of just like, not like, like having a routine, but if it doesn't go well, like that, it's fine. <laughs> like yeah, and like I've, I've had a race where like literally got there midnight found like I was I, I was relying on a friend to like get us there and he was like yeah I got a place for us to stay all of a sudden show up at this guy's camper open it up and like sleeping on like a kitchen table and like wake up <laughs> the beast is about to start I like I literally paid a guy $20 because I saw him brewing some coffee 20 I was like dude I will pay like he didn't even take it but I offered him and he gave me some he gave me a coffee I did a little run got some water and I was like, if I can get up from that and race well um, and not yeah. get a good sleep and not, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, once you have one of those experiences, you realize your unique morning routine. If you have too much that is like so specific and so, so like regiment that if something goes wrong, like you're all of a sudden in this bad headspace. So totally, I don't really need that. Yeah. And I like that. But with that said, if, if there was a race where I couldn't have coffee before, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't race. I'd be like, I'm done. I'm out. I'm going home. Oh yeah. I, I yeah. Wow. <laughs> Coffee's a I must. Agree. Yeah. Um, all right. What's your favorite hip hop song to dance to? Man. Well, I was just looking at my Spotify, like, uh, my Spotify stuff from the year end. You know how they did that? Oh, you I ever see, that. see people yeah, post all my that stuff? Thing. So, yeah. Um, I mean, one of my top artists was Tyga. Nice. Now, I think that's because number one, he's featured in like every song. So <laughs> they may have just been like, you listen to a lot of Tyga because you're just like listening. He's uh, always in a, in a, in a title somewhere. Yeah. Um, there's some really good, like when I went to, Australia and stuff there's like um this band called bliss and so or like there's some like cali rap kind of artists where it's like more hip-hop kind of upbeat kind of like summer jams so like someone like ayer or radical something or trying to like relate it to something people might know here just like maybe say, say what it is just tell them tell them what's up what it is what or it like is. call honestly like college rap like mike stud or like old school Jurassic five or biggie. Mm. Um, I listen to a lot of different things, but I listen to a lot of hip hop and rap. So I've got yeah. a couple of good playlists. Me too, man. That's yeah. like, that's, that's 
that's how if, I roll. Oh, and I always <laughs> run to music. I don't care what people say. Like if they're like, oh, just be with your breath and in nature and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, it whatever. pumps me up. Yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. I do. I do podcasts now and I, like, I feel. Oh, like that I too. To, that, yeah. yeah. Have, have to have that. Um, the, the podium hat, do you wear yes. the podium hat when you don't make the podium? <laughs> like if it's sunny or something, like you just need like I, coverage. I, I don't like, I don't put it on. Although <laughs> I, yeah, I, <laughs> so do you bring, bring a separate it. hat? I'll bring it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll rock the classic snapback all the time. But, okay. um, and it just became like a thing that I just like had and it was like nice and I'll wear it occasionally on other in other instances it originally became a thing because my mom was like saw a picture with me on like one of my podiums and she was like why did you wear that stupid hat so i just started kept i just kept wearing it get off my back mom it's the yeah, podium exactly. hat. <laughs> I so have to wear it. hopefully under armor wants to sponsor me or something because i wear that thing all the time like, i'm pretty sure they'll hear this so they're gonna camel ghillie hat that like folds up anywhere you know you can get those like nice sun hats but you can't really travel with them because they'll break or mm. they don't like this thing's just like you can wash it. You can toss it in. And it's great. Oh, so it is practical as well. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, cool, man. Well, you passed and you, and you answered them spectacularly. Um, so what's next for you, man? What, what kind of, where, where can we find you this year? What are some of the goals you got? Yeah. So, I mean, it's off season right now, which I love. Like I'm uh, playing a lot of hockey, doing a lot of snowy runs i'm going out to the mountains for holidays which will be nice so getting a couple snowboard days and um yeah and then i guess like i'm definitely obviously now i'm kind of committing to the canadian series because it just sounds great and i'd like to do it although as a teacher like you can't really get time off till the end of june like it's just so those will be quick race trips and it's not necessarily ideal yeah. Um, Friday afternoon flying in. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's fine. Like I've done it, but it's not, it's not the best. And then, so I'll do the Canadian series, go out to the last one, which is in kicking horse, a new, new venue, which is pretty exciting. I've snowboarded kicking horse. Like it's a really cool. Where is that? Mount. Um, kicking horse is in like, I mean, they say it's like they were around Calgary, whatever else, but it's, it's West, it's Western, like, Alberta, BC, kind okay. of in the Rockies. Got it. Um, so yeah, really cool mountain, big ridge on the top in between two peaks. Like it's it's gonna be an epic race. And uh, then I'm definitely gonna go to OCR Worlds again this year in nice. Stratton. Because um, I just like that's that's more my style of obstacle racing. And I'm debating Seattle just to like go throw my hat into one U.S. Series race and just nice. show up and. You know what? I figure like running in snow is like a lot like running in mud. And <laughs> um, that course isn't just at altitude or anything. So no, I'm not. not at any kind of like disadvantage there. And that would just be kind of early, but I don't want to start any earlier than that. Um, it could get excited and go down south somewhere. But uh, yeah, I've got some local races. I've got, there's a winter triathlon here. So instead of swimming, you skate. We have a big river trail. So you, uh you like fat bike run on the like winter run and then skate snowshoe or you just yeah snowshoe race i mean there's there's a bunch of there's a bunch of interesting races like that there's a big big skate it's like 12k so i'll rip through that and everything and um yeah just try and jump into things and again like just 
keep working on my strength and I'm still enjoying running and keep working on that incline treadmill a little bit and see, see what that does for me this year. Nice man. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. like, and that's one thing that's cool about being in an area where people are going to be outdoorsy, even in the snow, like here it's cold and it sucks, but it doesn't snow that much. So we can't get, we, so people just don't go outside in the winter just cause there's no reason <laughs> yeah. to. So at least yeah. like you have stuff. Yeah. Cross country ski. It's like, yeah, I, no, we yeah, I don't mind it. And shoveling snow is a good workout. So you got a big dump. Like it's, uh, it's not bad to do that. I think also like I'm <laughs> waiting to hear about Spartan team championships. Yeah. They, they um, just kind of squashed that last year. Right. Like I don't, like it didn't really right. Like I went to Tahoe that one year yeah. and competed and it was, it was super fun. And I love the team race at OCR world. So, uh, I'm assuming if they announce it, it's just going to be, well, who knows what the format is or whatever else. But if I'm one of the top Canadians and hopefully they think, uh, think I should go to that and that would be fun. That would be a fun little like end to the season. Not sure when, but they're plan. I heard they're planning on doing it on a fully separate weekend. So people aren't just like, dead after world championships and, and race the next day they need to change it like i don't understand that like they need to make it just like cross country like why is it why does it not score the team as right a whole right. It, like, why keep, yeah. why not just put the slowest person out there and be like okay right yeah like, that's yeah. who wins yeah. But, so I, I hope that they do t- tinker with that a little bit yeah because the one year it was co-ed and i was like i get what you're doing but it just doesn't Right. And or, then we figured out how to push Faye uphill after, like <laughs> after about five minutes. And so, yeah. yeah. So, but I like where, I like what OCR world champs does better, where it's more like a relay. Like that makes a little more sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But the, but everybody running at the same pace is just like dumb. Right. Right. <laughs> but yeah. It's, we'll like, it's, it it's interesting. Yeah. They wanted to make it like a team sport, but like a team mm-hmm. running sport. is. So we'll like, see where they announce it. If it's somewhere manageable to like get to, then I'll, for sure do it and then who knows where ocr or spartan worlds are but yeah uh yeah we also like my oh i put a weapon factory team in manitoba marathon relay and we won we won co-ed last year so we got to defend our title so yeah definitely um well cool man maybe i'll maybe i'll make my way to owl's head or is that that's what's called right uh in the u.s series no the quebec right oh quebec yeah uh more in heights Oh, 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 Owl's Head in Quebec. Yeah, not not. That's part not of the series. Game. Oh, then never mind. I'm not going. Um, that's really hard. Um, yeah, yeah. I'll but go. Come, yeah, come, that's, come to Kicking Horse. You'll this, love that venue. Oh yeah, it'll look no. cool. Yeah, maybe. All right, dude. <laughs> well, I'm gonna press stop, but you're gonna stay on. Um, so sure. unless you got to run, you can go. But, uh, dude, thank you so much for popping on. You crush it. A lot of great value here, man. Solid. Thanks. All right, later.